0: The Detail Podcast. I'm Rob Parkinson, and we're here talking all things Soul for a Devil. Special show this week. we are joined a special guest, uh, Captain Lee Mossop. Uh, welcome to the show, Lee. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Special year for you this one. Uh, testimonial year. Uh, looking forward to it.
1: I am, mate. Uh, yeah. Um, I feel very privileged to um, obviously I've not, I've been at the club. I think this is my fifth season, fourth season maybe, um, and yeah, I feel very fortunate to have obviously been granted one by the RFL, but obviously the main people who have the say it is the club, and for them to uh, grant me the testimonial, um, I was over over the moon with.
0: Yeah, yeah. so obviously we'll look back through your career, uh, Lee, uh, born in Whitehaven, 1989, uh, yeah. what was it like uh, growing up in Whitehaven in the 90s?
1: Amazing amazing you probably it's probably only now you realize it really when you see obviously i've got three kids of my own now and you see them sat on ipads all the time and you probably at the time we probably took for granted we often speak out and now my best mates uh still i went through nursery primary school secondary school with them still my best mates to this day and we look back now and the childhood we had was was unbelievable up there we were five minutes away we get on at summer with get on our bikes, we'd bike to St Bees Beach, uh, we'd walk into town, five minutes, we could go fishing on the harbour, it was a proper, proper child and uh, yeah, it's probably now when I look back and I see my own kids constantly sat on iPads and stuff like that where you realise how lucky we were. Who were
0: your sporting heroes uh, growing up?
1: I was a Wigan fan growing up, um, obviously being in Whitehaven, there's probably about, Wigan are probably the closest club to us. Um, so I think it was Twig Marler uh, at the time. He was, was a big uh, islander. I think he was a centre winger, maybe. Um, but, yeah, uh, I was introduced to rugby real young by my dad and he used to, he used to drive us down uh, whenever he could to to a Wigan game. And I can just remember watching the likes of him, Andy Farrell. Uh, and, yeah, they were sort of heroes of mine early doors. Yeah, uh, you,
0: you missed... Uh, sorry, you mixed education and rugby quite well. You ended up with uh, a couple of A-levels. basic uh, it business studies and PE? Uh, was, was it difficult kind of juggling the, the rugby career early on and the education?
1: No, no, it wasn't at all, to be honest. Uh, and to be fair, that, that helped me massively in settling. So uh, I was really lucky. Uh, we were playing. I was playing from a school at the time. So I've just been on the national camp. Uh, where I got I got awarded the prop gun award that was down in Sheffield and then soon after that we were put, we had a school game I think it was in Alden uh, for our school and Dean Bell who was the main agent at the time at Wigan he came over and watched me it obviously there's a couple of agents who had tipped him up about me up in Whitehaven but he obviously he wanted to see it for his own eyes and he come and see me and uh, I was really lucky he signed me I, I think he says I'm the only bloke he signed off watching one game. So as soon as I finished high school, I had to move down. I had to sort of leave my family and stuff and move down to Wigan. Uh, But Wigan were really insisting on uh, you you sort of further your education. So um, I joined, I think it was John Rugby College in Wigan, Uh, and that was absolutely massive for me. So obviously, pretty soon when you move into a a rugby team, you you pretty soon you've got ten or fifteen really good mates, but I think it was real good as well to get good mates away from rugby as well. Uh, and like I say, I've still I'm still really good mates with two or three of them blokes who I met there, and I met my wife as well, uh, who I'm obviously uh, married to at the minute. So uh, yeah, that was massive for me. Um, just to sort of balance that rugby side of it with the education it was massive, and it's obviously something I wanted to do as well. So I ended up with a, an A level in PE, Business Studies, and IT.
0: Yeah, you, you say you signed for for Wigan. Uh, you lodged with is it Sean Wayne's in laws? Was it Marge and Eric? What what was that like?
1: I, I look again. I look back now, and I was very very fortunate. Um, like I say, I had to sort of leave leave my family at home in Whitehaven, and although it was only a two hour two and a half hour drive, it was sort of a big deal when you're you're 15 years old. But yeah, I moved in with uh, Marge and Eric, and I think it was only meant to be for a few months at the time too. The house that I was moving into came available, but I ended up staying there about six or seven years and I'd, I'll be forever in debt to them for what they did for me. Um It was like home from home, really. They ended up sort of being my grandparents. Um And, yeah, uh, obviously, I was, sadly, uh, Mark passed away a couple of years ago and uh, I miss him massively
0: every day. Yeah, you, 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 lo- you were loaned out to Barrow. Uh, did you learn your trade there and would you advise sort of the kids coming through now to, to go and play at a, a lower level to, to learn the trade rather than go through the academies, what they do now?
1: Yeah, yeah. To be fair, I mean, the system what's in place now, um, in my opinion, is awful. Um, I think back from now, so we were sort of, we're going to sign for the under-18s. When you started progressing well in the 18s, they put you up to the reserves. And that was where you sort of got your first first taste of... Om- you're playing against Super League players, so the likes of the blokes who were coming back from injury, or they weren't quite getting into the first team playing. You, you were playing against men, uh, and that's massive. That's a massive learning curve, and you have to learn pretty quick. Um, but then again, yeah, so the next step from that, so when you sort of you, you're progressing well in the reserves, um, but you're not quite breaking into the first team, then I think, yeah, I, I went on loan to uh, Barrow. Barrow for a month. I think a month. Yeah, a month. I did, and then Nathan Brown at Huddersfield, uh, He was keeping close tabs of me, and then he asked me to go instead of Barrow. Went straight to Uddersfield, and that at the time was massive for my career. I was sort of getting a Super League game here. I would a five week back in the reserves, back a couple of games Super League, blah blah blah. And you sort of, and I sort of needed that that regular sort of solid standard rugby uh, to progress on my career at the time, and that came at a perfect time and. Uh, again, I met Nathan Brown, um, and he, he again he had a massive influence. I, I was only there for about six, seven weeks. I feel he had a real big influence, mainly from um, sort of confidence levels, just how much faith he put in me, and he expressed how much he'd seen in me already. And uh, yeah, that was absolutely massive for me at that time.
0: Yeah, so you started progressing. You got into the, to the Wigan uh, team. Uh, you won your your, your first, your, your Challenge Cup. Uh, In 2011, you dislocated your shoulder in that game. What was it like uh, winning a trophy for the the team that you supported?
1: It was massive. It was massive. It it probably started the year before that, 2010. uh, Michael Maguire came in and he 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 changed the place. Um, He instilled a culture which is is probably still there now. They're still probably riding that wave of what Michael Maguire instilled. He, He just said, if you play well, Regardless of your name, your age, you'll play every week. Uh, and again, it was what what sort of, there's a few of us, to be fair, uh, young kids, what we needed. Um, and yeah, I started played nearly every game that year. And then again, my shoulder dislocated it. Um, Trying my hardest to get back, I rehabbed it for six weeks, came back, dislocated again tried it again five week rehab. it came back first game dislocated again and then they just said listen you can't do it no more you're gonna to have to get the operation and I missed the 2010 grand final which was that was, it was devastating and I can still remember the sort of the feelings I had now watching the 2010 grand final and as chuffed as I was from my teammates I were I was gutted that I wasn't playing um and I just I remember making a promise to myself there that if if we were lucky enough to get to the final again, that I'd do everything I could in my power to make sure I didn't miss it, and really, really lucky. Now, fortunately, we got to the Challenge Cup final, the first chance of asking. Um, and yeah, I just came on. I'd been on about four minutes, and I made a tackle, and my shoulder dislocated again. And I just thought, I cannot believe it. Uh, and again, I remember it was like, I remember, like it was yesterday. It was 27th of August. It was my dad's birthday. Uh, I went into the changing rooms and the doctor said, oh, I think you're done, mate. And I said, no, I'm not. I said, Get, put my shoulders back in. Uh, there's no way I'm missing this one. So the shoulder popped it popped it back in for me. I got a bit more strapping on and uh, I managed to go on. I think I, I didn't like him. another 15 minutes. Uh, but M- Madge at the time said that was absolutely massive because it just, it just enabled us to give the other proper spell, give him a rest. Uh, and yeah, that, that was my first taste of silverware and... Sort of to do it with about there's probably five or six of us who were say sort of real good mates who come through the 18s, come through the academy, uh, and then to get there and win some silverware with them for the club support since I was a kid was, uh, it was massive.
0: Yeah, talking about sort of development, you, you played for England Knights in 2011. You ended up with three appearances. Um, do, you, do you think your kind of injuries kind of stopped you from gaining more? Yeah, yeah, At the, probably not that time, no.
1: Um, sad so there I was, a, I was a bit so actually after the 2011 mm-hmm. I didn't get my shoulder fixed right. I'd had it fixed twice already before that and I just said listen these operations aren't working for me uh, so I got a lot of rehab but to be fair I was I was struggling like I was it, it was a weird one it was like I was playing I was playing well obviously I was getting picked for the England Knights and things but I still felt like I had miles more left in my. it was it was frustrating Uh, But yeah, luckily I got into the England It's probably only later on that I feel that it probably cost me a good few, in my opinion, senior England caps. Um, Like I got to, it was 2013, um, we won the double with Wigan, the grand final, the Challenge Cup, and then I played for England in the the World Cup. I started the first game against Italy, Uh, I was a starting prop with James Graham. Uh, The first game after that was Australia, played in that. Um, and then yeah it sort of when that was like I was sort of riding the wave then I was on top of the world I, I got a few NRL clubs came in from I signed at Parramatta and that should have been sort of my pinnacle and that's when I should have been kicking on there and really getting again in my opinion uh sort of getting several caps at the time but it just sort of I sort of uh, I was quickly humbled should we say I sort of uh It was actually just before I flew out to Australia. Uh, I was on the stag do and I was wrestling with Scott Taylor, who's at Hull now. Uh, And yeah, I dislocated my shoulder on the bus. Um, And that was probably, that was sort of like the tip of the iceberg, like where I knew, do you know what, my shoulder's knackered I'm going to have to sort of face facts. I need it fixed. Uh, So that was obviously a tough conversation. I had to ring my new employers who I'd never met yet. I'd signed with them. I had to make them like, listen, I'm due to be over there in a week. I've just dislocated my shoulder. I'm going to need surgery. So that was that was a tough, tough conversation. But they they were great. They said, "No, listen, you you need it sorted. We're planning on you being here for the next four or five years. Let's get it sorted." So I was obviously buzzing with that. Right, got me head knuckled down. Did again. I just got to Australia. I did seven months solid rehab. It was the fittest i had been in my life. Uh, finally got back. Played three three NRL games and. I was playing my third against Melbourne and I was just, just sod's law. My left shoulder, which I'd never, ever had issues with, that dislocated, uh, went for a scan and said, yeah, you need the same operation, another seven months out. And it was just like I say, I got from finishing 2013, winning the double, playing for England, starting prop to, bump seven months out, two games, seven months out, ended up coming back from Australia. And I just, I was, I, I was, I was, I was struggling really, really bad. I was sort of... I was probably meant to do my shoulder. I got told by the surgeon, listen, like, get, start getting your head around here. I think you're probably going to have to retire here. Um, just, I, I wouldn't have it. I really had my best, but I look back now and it's sort of... It's embarrassing just how I was playing. I look back at games now and I'd have just a, a little hooker who normally had sort of... Tackling with my eyes closed and I was I was sort of petrified of making a tackle. I was just, I was, added, like, if I put my arm out to the side, I just knew my shoulder was going to dislocate it and it was, it was a horrible time. I had about two two seasons where I was absolutely tormented with my shoulder um, and it sort of came to a head where I went on from, I went on from training and like I said, I was I was, I was playing about 20%, I reckon, of sort of my potential and I went on to call and I said, I can't do it no more, I'm going to retire. And so she sort of talked me into doing sort of four more games. She said, give you four more games. If you still feel the same, then, then we'll do it. Um, and I went and met Ian Watson and sort of the rest is history. I'm, I'm still going.
0: Yeah, obviously you say you met Ian Watson. Out at the time, was that 2016 you, you spoke to Ian Watson? The end of 2016, yeah. 2017. At that point, we were in our, our million pound miracle against all Kings Robbers. What What was that? What was going through your head? watching that match obviously on the point of signing for us
1: i'll be dead honest mate i wasn't bothered either way um <laughs> like i've got it into my head so I, I was leave i was leaving wigan um and i had it in my head right listen like i'm uh i told my agents. i said listen it's of against that point now i'm leaving wigan i'm not playing nowhere near the standard required of a wigan player i had i think i had two years left on my deal but i said i can't carry on like it is uh he spoke to a few clubs and literally nobody wanted me, uh, which was sort of again that was a sort of eye opener. Uh, it was only a year prior I was playing for Parramatta against that and again, starting blah blah blah. Um, and then Ian Watson got in touch with me and he said, uh, "I want, I want to meet you." And he thought, "What? It's more out of like curiosity." I already, I'd already made my mind up. I was going to retire. Uh, and he met me and he said, "Listen, I said, I've watched you for five years. I said, I've seen." You are, and again, I've seen sort of where you've got to now. But he said, "I'm really, really confident I can get the best out of you again." He said, "I've got a really good physio here, in Rob and and Um I'm really confident I can get you back to playing that level. And I said, "I don't know." I said, "Right, I tell you what." I said, "I'll sign, uh, I'll sign a one-year deal." And I sort of told Chloe, "I said, like, listen, this, this will be sort of a bit of closure." I don't know if I sort of fell out of rugby, out of love with rugby because. I don't enjoy rugby anymore, or like I thought it was using my shoulder. Obviously, when you're not playing nowhere near as what you can, and it does get unenjoyable. And I said that this will sort of give me closure. So I signed a one year deal. And then again, watching that game, I just thought it's to lose. then it sort of it just makes my mind up even more. I was going to do what I was going to do anyway. And uh, obviously, now looking back, I'm, I'm so grateful that they did, <laughs> that they got the win in that game. And uh, here I am now playing at Salford five years later.
0: Yeah, obviously you started under Ian Watson at that point. Um, How does Ian Watson compare to the other coaches you've had in your career?
1: It's very different. Um, To be fair, I've I've been very very fortunate. I've had sort of certain coaches at certain times of my career, and I just think each one of them's had me a key time in my career, which they've added a lot to my career. And uh, again, Ian fits in into that sort of. He fits into that category. He got me at a time where. I was out, fall out of love with rugby. I was playing nowhere near what I could. Um, he got me that love back. For, he got, he got me that love back for rugby league. Um, obviously, mainly he found that sort of enjoyment in rugby league again. Um the, the the physio at the time he got me back fixed, which was probably the key c- component really. And then since then, obviously, since now I've started, got my shoulder right. Uh, Ian's just sort of challenged me in different ways. He sort of. He knows how to pick a certain personalities and you see what you see what's sort of makes him tick and I feel like he's got that with me. He'll challenge me when we're playing against certain teams. He'll say, right, listen, I want you, I want to make, I want you to go up against this fella today. I want you to have his number and he'll you'll challenge me, and that sort of that sort of gets my personality and gets the best out of me. And um, as a coach, he's probably he's really really open. You get a lot of coaches who sort of no, it's this way. This is the way we're doing it. I've I've looked at it. I know the best way. And he's probably the complete opposite. He's is really open to being challenged by players. Uh, he'll say this is what I think we do. But probably his main his main strength is just his his work ethic. He he can he he just doesn't stop. Like you see him coming in the morning, and his eyes will be red, bloodshot, and you can tell he's been on the computer all night. Uh, and he scrutinises certain teams and he picks weaknesses where a lot of blokes would never, ever notice. And, uh, yeah, I think that's sort of just what se- separates him at the minute from a few other coaches.
0: Yeah, we, we, we obviously started our journey in two, 2017, got to the Challenge Cup semi-final. You didn't play uh, that, that game against Wigan. But, obviously, being involved in the squad, did you see us sort of... Um, Sort of developing into a likes of, of a Wigan and sense because you because uh, you've been to Wigan, have not you? You played for Wigan, so you saw how that sort of situation works out. Could you could you see us going in that direction at that point?
1: I don't know if it was at that point. It was definitely the year later where I, knew it. I could sort of tell, see the plays that he was signing, the plays he was getting rid of, mm. um, where we were sort of like, listen, it's no secret. You could have the best coach in the world if he's got a, if he's got seventeen players who don't want to listen to him and they're not really bothered about competing and they don't care about winning, then you'll lose every game. Um, but you could sort of tell the sort of personalities he was adding to the group and the sort of people who sort of, who had a bit of a point to prove uh, and who, who were just natural winners who wanted to win something. They weren't just there to pick up pick up a wage every month. They actually wanted to win. And uh, it's probably definitely the year after we I noticed. You know what, this, I reckon two, three years' time we can be challenging for real. Sort for, for silverware.
0: Yeah, obviously, so for the, ah, the opportunity club, they give players the opportunity to go to that next level uh, and fall back in love with the game, like like yourself. Was was that kind of discussed amongst amongst yourselves, uh, sort of in sort of 2018, 2019, that we had a special group and um, you know this could be something special yeah. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, probably was it. not so much that. Like, I think was it Phil Clark who kept calling us the uh and oh, um... what's he calling us? Whatever it was, it was disrespectful. Yeah. And uh sort of like like don't get me wrong, he sort of Watto sort of picked them players, but them players they didn't just turn good overnight. They had been at clubs when they'd won silverware, they'd won challenge cups, they'd won grand finals and like hundreds and hundreds of athletes, you can you can fall out of form for whatever reason, whether it be injury or just just straight up your form's just not good Um, so don't get me wrong he's not sort of he's not a miracle worker he's not just turned rubbish players into good players overnight he's sort of he's been very clever he's he's found players who were good but then he's also added that extra element where they've now got something to prove Um, and yeah sort of like that's probably what's been our key ingredient really I think we've now got a real core group of blokes who's been there but they're now sort of changing that culture at the club where once upon a time it was a club where people sort of bowed out and they just got went there for an extra year or two to pick up a few more paychecks and I think it's now changed that way they've got a core group of players where we're wanting to change the culture and when now when players come in they sort of have to fall in line pretty quickly and realise that we're not a team that are messing about we're wanting to win things now and you sort of need to realise that pretty quickly and um, yeah like I so we we've sort of We've still not done it yet. We've got to two finals and lost, which, again, when you get that group of players who are winners, it hurts and it hurts for a long time. So until we sort of win that silverware, uh, then we're still we're not there. But we're getting really close.
0: Yeah, Ian Watson. Ian Watson talks a lot about culture and building the culture at Salford. Uh, you're the captain. Um, how, how do you describe yourself as a captain? What's your, you know, how would you describe yourself as a captain? Are you a shouter or do you quietly go about your business or, or what?
1: No, no, I don't, to be honest. Um, no, very, very, no, I very no, don't need to, to be fair. Uh, like I say, we've got good players now, good group of blokes who all want, uh, who all sort of want the same common goal, so you, you don't need to shout. Obviously, they're all men. Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> I could tell you something in the last time, you something completely different. Um, I think <laughs> I tried to talk as least as possible, to be fair. Um, I think when you get blogs who, who talk all the time, it's sort of, sometimes your words up having no effect and sort of fall on deaf ears. So I think the least you speak, when you do have to speak, you do have to speak up, it has more effect. So, um, yeah, again, that's what I'd probably say. But uh, again, you could ask the, the fellas and they tell you something completely different.
0: You, you don't say much, but when you do, it's, it's important. That's basically what you're saying to me.
1: Yeah, I like to think so,
0: yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, 2019, magical season for soul. We got to the grand final, um, obviously looking back at that year, at what point did you actually think, think, you know what, we're going to go all the way here? Was there a specific point in the season?
1: I can remember the, the game, it was against St Helens, um, we were winning by about, was it 14 points or something, with about six minutes to go and we got beat, can you remember that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was, it was, a, it was at, a bit of a killer. That's what it was. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was at St. Helens. And to be fair, that was sort of the time when it clicked for us as a group of players. Yeah. Um, I think at the time, again, being at Salford, you probably expected to lose against St. Helens, expected to lose against Wiggins. Uh, and sort of that game, we said, like, listen, no, nobody dip your toe in today. Uh, let's go at them. If we lose, then... We'd, and we, we give our best, and we, we can take that, um, and we played, we played them, and, and again, we should have won the game, and we got beat, and we sort of realised after the game, like listen, when we turn up, and we sort of back ourselves, we'll beat most teams in the comp, with at at the time, we're flying the dominated last year, I've never seen a team dominate as much as they did, uh, and we should have won them, and we sort of realised, you know what boy, when we turn up, and we don't dip our toe in, and we back ourselves, we'll win most teams, and I think it was after that game, we went on that, 10, 11 game winning winning streak, and I think that that was definitely the game I can remember vividly.
0: Yeah, we we beat uh, Wigan in the in the uh, semi final. You scored in that game. What, what was the what was the emotion like as, as as you went over them?
1: It it to be fair, it, it was massive. It was a bit of a especially being against my my old club. It was a sort of middle finger up against them. You know what I mean? Obviously, I was still playing against good good mates in Liam Farrell, uh, the likes of that Sean Locklin Tommy Lui, but he was just sort of like I'd sort of came full circle. I'd, I'd left I'd left Wigan playing the worst rugby career. Shoulder, shoulder gone. I sort of down in the dumps really without feeling sorry for myself. And the sort of few years of passing, and I come. I was back. I was playing the best I think last year, and probably even the most majority of this year, it's the best rugby I've played in my career, in my opinion. And he sort of just full circle and then to get that try at the end we sort of in hindsight, he sort of secured us and so people could relax and we've going to a grand final we were, we were
0: massive. And obviously grand final old Trafford against uh Sir Ellens. Uh, you're kinda of used to playing in these in these big games. did you kind of show that, did you sort of encourage the players to embrace it and, and take it all in, being the captain?
1: Um again, the the group that we've had, I probably didn't I didn't I, I don't think I needed to speak at all. No. Um sort sometimes you just get that right balance. Uh and again there's probably four or five five of us who had played in them big games already and then we had that sort of that that element of youth in the group as well and they 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 just get excited. They're not overall by any occasion. So we had that real good balance. Um and on another day we possibly could have won it, but like I say, the way Saints dominated last year it was we were, always going, we were going to have to be at our best and they were going to have to have sort of an off day. Um, and we give, them, we give them a good game. Um, a couple of decisions, if they'd have gone that way, it could have been different, but they were worthy winners. And it just showed, we, we'd come a long way, um, but we were still a little bit off, I reckon, after that game. when We sort of realised that.
0: Yeah. And obviously, we, we come into this season, um, we start with 2020. None of this COVID stuff happened. Uh, but how, how did that sort of hit you? playing the uh, Rugby League when it all started back in February, March time.
1: With the COVID, you mean, sorry.
0: Yeah, when you know obviously with the Rugby League stopping and having to, you know, be in lockdown for, for six months, whatever it was.
1: Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it it was it was a bit surreal. Obviously like it still is now like you sometimes you have to sort of pinch yourself, you're thinking, Bussy, I'll have to wear a mask here to go and do my shopping. It, it's weird, isn't it? And yeah, just to get locked down, obviously at the time, I was sort of trying to be glass glass half full. I, obviously, I was getting spent spend loads of time with the family, which you don't usually get, and I was, uh, I was thinking, right, now I've got sort of free months here working, work, and just batter my rear, I'd get my shoulder even better. Uh, so I was trying to be glass half full all the time, but it, it, it was tough, and uh, obviously a lot of people struggle being locked down mentally and that side of things, but... Um, I think as a team we probably came out of it the best more than anybody. Um, everyone sort of bought in. GBL conditioning sent us sessions nearly every four, four times a week. Uh, so we all stayed accountable to each other. That some of us weren't training, and some weren't putting putting a stone on, sat on the couch. So everyone was accountable, and uh, we came out of the lockdown in in good form. Um, but yeah, it's just just surreal, man. Twenty twenty has turned into a bit of a. Bit of a joke now, isn't it? Nothing sort of surprising. <laughs> of what happens ever.
0: Yeah, uh, obviously you're kind of in a in a, in a bubble, aren't you? Uh, as, as players, um, how was that organised amongst yourselves? Were you like sort of saying which right no one goes shopping, no one does this, or is it just about being sort of sensible and, and and being safe?
1: Yeah, well, within the the original lockdown, it was sort of it was all dictated by the government, wasn't it? You couldn't yeah. you couldn't do it. You couldn't go and do your shopping. But then, apart from that, uh, training we were allowed to train, I think we were allowed to train in groups of, we were allowed to train together in that original oh, lockdown. Yeah, we two were two and three,
0: I think it was. No, we
1: weren't. Yeah, something like that, yeah, so we sort of paired up with somebody, uh, we had to, again, you had to make sure you sit two metres apart while you train with each other, Um, but it was good, that was sort of like a good rest, good break, when t- obviously you cooped up in the house all the time, lads couldn't wait to go out and meet someone for a bit of a craft, do a bit of training, so, uh, yeah, we were good.
0: Yeah, um, obviously the season started again, uh, all kind of change, and, and having to play in front of no an crowds and uh, at random uh, stadiums. What what was that like? Um,
1: yeah, the first game were weird. Uh, obviously to play to play against people uh, with no crowd is, is, is yeah, it's pretty weird. But um, to be fair, it's only for like the first first uh, two minutes uh, like obviously once you're into the game you sort of I, I know I don't I don't really hear the crowd anyway once you're into the game it's sort of forgotten but yeah I remember the first one waiting for a kick-off uh, to receive a kickoff, and obviously with no crowd or anything like that behind you giving you loads of jit loads of stick it's a bit it's a bit strange
0: yeah so obviously this season another great season for us uh, we get to the Challenge Cup final and and uh, Everyone has a COVID test, presumably a couple of days before, and yours comes back uh, inconclusive. Uh, what was what was going through your head at that point? Obviously, I think it's one of the biggest games of your career. I mean, it could be taken away. It were awful.
1: It were awful, and that's when I started getting a bit sort of a bit angry, really, with this all. COVID is probably the first time I started getting a bit annoyed of it, just thinking, Do you know what, this disease that's so called so deadly that you need to have a test to realise if you've got it. And I just thought, if I miss this game, it was awful. I didn't sleep. I probably didn't sleep for two nights. I remember coming in and (laughs) a couple of lads said, oh, mate, you look awful. And I just thought, cheers. But yeah, I didn't sleep. And I just thought, I'm going to miss this game. I started convincing myself that I had it. No, I was think, well, do you know what? I've got a bad head. And I think, I've got it here. And then, uh, yeah, luckily, two days passed. I had another test, which came back inconclusive again. So then I had to wait another night. While they sent another tester out, uh, and then luckily I got the news it was all good. And me and Flash, we could finally relax a bit and start enjoying the week.
0: Yeah, obviously it came back negative, which was great. What was it? Obviously, then you got selected to play in the game at Wembley. No crowd, uh, but still a fantastic occasion for everyone in the team and the squad. Like yeah, so. it
1: was. It was. Um, yeah, Wembley. Wembley week's a bit. It's a bit different, obviously grand final, you, you go on the day, you play blah blah blah, which, it, which is massive uh, but Wembley is sort of an occasion, you go down early in the week, you spend a couple of nights down there in an hotel in London uh, you train down there uh, and yeah, obviously once that test was out of the way and we got the the good news, it, we could sort of sort of relax a bit more then and then um, yeah, the game came round and just, again that's just uh, that's just still tough to take, it was Still think we should have won. We probably had four clear-cut chances where we should have won, um, and another day with it. What we had done, we'd done two, three weeks before that. We'd executed them players and we'd won. Um, but that—that's just it. You don't get second chances in finals, and it's the team that sort of turn up and do them small bits right. They win the game, and fair play to Leeds—they did that.
0: Do you think it's sort of built our character even more? Obviously, losing these two finals. The performance I thought was better against Leeds, but we weren't. i like say we weren't that far away. So next time, if we get in that situation again, who knows? We might win it next time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd like I'd like to think so, but I think to be fair, losing to the grand final had done that already. Like, again, we we reviewed that Challenge Cup final couple of days after it, and we we feel like we 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 blew sort of two or three clear cut chances where. We could and should have won, in our opinion. But that, 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 sort of, that sort of life, people won't remember that Leeds have got the name on the cup now. They're the winners, and it is what it is. We've got to sort of wait another year now, an and hopefully, if we, we can sort of replicate some of them performances, we can hopefully get back there again. And this time, we need to win it.
0: Yeah, our, our season continued. Uh, a few you know, a few battered and broken bodies. Uh, we we had to forfeit a game against Warrington, uh, but the game before we won. I think it was against St. Ellens. Uh but what was it like in the change room? It was a lot of a lot of a lot of pain, a lot of like injuries, and you know everything going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, it just sort of, it just sort of, um, that that game, that short turnaround game, was just sort of one that brought the camels back. It was sort of, we had lads. Don't get me wrong, you very rarely get a, a rugby league player going into a game in the season where they're a hundred percent. That that just doesn't happen, Um but then, when you sort of compound that with the fact that we're playing every three days, whatever it was, we've done—I don't know—something stupid like seven games in three weeks or whatever it was. They just sort of, it just got to that point where then we played since so we picked up two more injuries, and we just said, "Listen, we don't have—we don't have a team to put out here, and if we do play, then definitely we'll have no chance for the Monday again against Catalan." Uh, so it's just one of them we sort of had to just say, "Listen, put it on," but we—we can't—we can't get a team out here.
0: You think obviously that's a kind of a side effect of having I mean, a, a smaller squad than everyone else?
1: Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. Luckily teams like Saints and Warringtons they can sort of rest players through the year and when you have a small short turnaround of Friday Monday game, they can throw a few kids in on the Monday to freshen things up and obviously them kids come in full of enthusiasm, so they're just as good as a first team player and yeah, that obviously that this that, that massive toll, but to be fair, with again, with COVID, and I think regardless, even if we had a bigger squad, then there's nothing to say. We'd been lucky anyway with injuries. We, we had very few injuries. Uh, it was just the sheer amount of games that we played where it was just, it was just tough to back up again.
0: Yeah. Uh, we, we finished our season against uh, Wakefield uh, at weekend. Uh, is it disappointing that, we, that the, the Super League and the RFL didn't decide to make a top eight uh, so we were involved? Or is it, is it? Do you think to yourself, well, we've had a good run. It's time just to rest our our bodies and and prepare for 2021.
1: Yeah, yeah. To be fair, I think it's that mate. It seems a bit sort of bit weak-minded to say that. But again, we've we've come a long way, and we've sort of the budget that we play that again this year, and our small squad to sort of get to a Challenge Cup final probably more so than any other teams, a massive, massive success. And I can understand why the RFL's done it. You know what, we've, you look at Cass and Ocar now, they've had to finish their season, they've got more COVID cases, and they possibly could have done a top eight. And there's nothing to say that the season would have got finished if a couple more teams picked up more cases, then the season wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been uh, finished. So I, I understand why they've done the top six. It's just sort of one of them, like I say now, 2020, there's, there's nothing... Nothing surprises anymore. You just need to get this season done and dusted.
0: Yeah, obviously off the field, um, you, you have a wine, like a wine bar, a, a cafe.
1: Yeah, I've got a coffee shop here yeah, in, in Wigan. Yeah. What
0: what what what's that been like? Obviously with with the COVID situation, I that's been a bit the, the, the difficult thing, balancing playing and, and all that going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, to be fair, the ho- hospitality sector has been probably battered more than anything else in this in this year and uh that, that was just another bit to sort of try and crack on in 2020 sort of there's a probably like 10 11 staff who work for us who also we, mean a lot to us to me and my wife we look after them the best we can and we sort of we're worrying about them but um yeah again we've got through it we, we've got another one coming this that's probably going to be a month and i'm sure we can get through it again and uh yeah crack on and get ready for 2021
0: yeah um obviously testimonial year got have you got any sort of big events planned for, for this year
1: uh yeah so obviously um the plan again is a plan because there's nothing to say that this is yeah. going to be done um i've i've been really lucky enough i've sort of teamed up with elgren the old school uh, sponsor i've designed a shirt with them
0: yeah um
1: so that seems to that's gone down really well with the fans they all seem to love that so the the pre-order for that finishes uh, Friday I believe uh, nice. to ensure that to be for Christmas uh, so that that was the first thing I saw i got to design that uh, that sort of represents sort of my amateur club colors it's a, an old school sulfur club which again I'm massively grateful for the club for giving me a testimonial um, and that's been a big hit so I've got that done now um, and then I'll have the game uh, probably the last friendly next year before the season starts, I'll play a game there where that'll be my testimonial game and then I've got a couple a couple of golf days uh, and a couple of big dinners where I'll get obviously uh, some good guests to, uh, to appear and a couple of ideas that we, we're not sort of cemented in yet. but um, yes, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot to look forward to and um, it'll probably be a bit stressful when it gets closer to this time. Um, but luckily, I've got a bit of time to plan it. Just the main thing was uh, just getting the shirt out there and hoping. The main stress was hoping that the fans liked it. But like I said, they all seem to have loved it and uh, get that shirt order in this week, so, so it's ready for Christmas.
0: Yeah, we'll be we'll be all over that, Lee. Don't you worry.
1: Oh, great! Thank you.
0: <laughs> so obviously, sort of 2021 and, and beyond. What what's the what's your ambition? Uh, for, for this for this club, for, for Salford. Can we take that next
1: step? I, I definitely think, I believe it all-heartedly that we can. Um, I've just signed, I've, look at Watto, Watto re-signed two-year deal, didn't he? And he sort of got into me pretty quickly that he wanted me to do the same thing. Uh, I wasn't sure. I said, oh, I'll, I'll sign. I don't know what, I don't want, I thought sort I of didn't want to be one of those players who sort of sort of fizzles out and finishes his career not playing his best rugby I've, now that I've got back to playing my best rugby I want to end playing it uh, and he said no you've 100% got at least two years in you so he convinced me to sign another two years which again I'm very fortunate for um, so my my plan is 100% I thought we've sort of made great strides in it already to from when I came to the club to when I leave it I want to leave it in a really good place with a solid culture where that just carries on going and people come in and they sort of uh, com- conform to that uh, that culture. And the main thing is to win the club for what they've been through. They deserve silverware and that'll be sort of job done. When we finally get to that till we win some silverware, that'll be sort of job done. And that's my main goal. By the time I finish that, we, we get that assaulted.
0: Yeah, we'll finish with a bit of fun, Lee. Um, Name
1: your funniest teammate. Funniest teammate? Mm. No, probably Joey looks like he... No, yeah, Joey thinks he is, but funniest will probably be Greg, Greg Burke.
0: OK, and, and who's your smartest teammate?
1: Smartest? Erm... Take Take's pretty well up with all politics and that sort of stuff. Um Sarge, Sarge is very clever, you know. Uh, we've got a couple. It's <laughs> I thought that's the old myth, isn't it, that you play rugby, you're all thick. But um, no, we've got we've got some smart blokes. Who's the
0: Who's the fittest teammate you've got?
1: Um, again, Sarge, Sarge probably. Connor Jones, Connor Jones. When he started this year in pre-season, he was. He was an animal. I think we did the bleep test and he beat everybody by about three levels. Uh, he's, he's really fit. But, yeah, during a game, like you saw, saw last week, did he carry 29 carries or something like that? It's just ridiculous. He just doesn't stop. But, yeah, probably Sarge. Uh,
0: and finally, who, who's the last one out of the changing room?
1: Greg. Greg again. Um, obviously, he's struggling um, follically on top of his head so he just tries to he, he spends a good half an hour in the mirror just trying to hold on to everything he's got and make it look a bit bit better than what it is so yeah he's always last but I, I share lifts with him as well which does make him, 'cause because I have to wait for him 15 minutes
0: every day yeah. and uh, it's November it's now uh, and it seems like you're, you're getting involved with that full, full beard you've got
1: yeah yeah to be fair I've been a bit lazy I need to shave the rest of the beard off and just leave the tash but uh, yeah I'm going to do that tomorrow just before lockdown, no one will see you then.
0: <laughs> Brilliant, Lee. Big thanks for joining us on, on the Devil in Details. It's been great chatting to you and good luck with uh, your testimonial year.
1: Thank you again. Cheers for having me. Take care.
0: Brilliant. Well, that was Lee Mossop talking about his career. Don't forget to buy your testimonial shirt and, and uh, hopefully it'll be a big seller with all the Soul fans. Big thanks for tuning in to this week's Devil in Detail. Abraham Parson, you can find us on Facebook, Devil in Detail SRD. You find us on Twitter at DITDSRD, and you find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Radio Contact and Spotify. Big thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.